Praise the Lord. Okay. So Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 is where I want us to really pay attention. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you read the Passion Translation in verse 2, it says it like this, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. Say a beautiful life. A beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. When you look at the Message Bible in verse 2, it says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Praise the Lord. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about kingdom culture, seeing that we have so many uh, diverse cultures here today. I want to talk about kingdom culture. Can you say kingdom culture? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. That as we come to your word once again, I thank you that it's your word that empowers. It's your word that has the ability to transform. Your word that has the ability to renew. Your word that has the ability to do signs, wonders, and miracles in our lives. And I thank you today, God, that you and your word are one. That your word is forever settled in heaven. You said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word, your word will never, ever, ever pass away. And I thank you that we have the boldness and the confidence to establish our lives upon the certainty of your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can you say praise the Lord? So I want to talk a little bit about cultures this morning and the diversity of cultures, Heritage Day. And uh, I love the diversity of cultures because the diversity brings about or actually reveals the creativity of God, actually. Can you imagine if everybody looked like me or if everybody looked like Pastor Danny or if everybody was just one culture? Uh, if you look at creation, creation actually reveals diversity. When you look at all the different birds and the colors and the species and all the different animals that are there, it speaks of the creativity, and it's the diversity that brings about the beauty. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm different to you. And that's what makes us beautiful. Hallelujah. Come on now, look at somebody else and tell them, I'm different to you. And that's what makes me beautiful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, when we understand the culture and we understand diversity and we're here to celebrate all of that, we have to, notwithstanding, bring all of that into context because 
There is something that overrides culture today. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Passion Translation says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Look at somebody and tell them that you look fresh and new this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Amplified says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he or she is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous, moral, and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Can you say praise the Lord? As you've heard me say before, the greatest miracle than anybody could ever witness is somebody being born again by the Spirit of God. Whether it's a male, whether it's a female, whether black, white, blue, whatever color you want to be. And that is the greatest miracle that can ever take place. And when that happens, that person steps out of one domain and one kingdom with its culture and steps into another domain, another kingdom with its culture. And how many of you know that we become citizen of a new kingdom that has a new order and a new culture and a new king, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. And we, even though we are on this earth, we are ambassadors of that kingdom that execute the culture of this new kingdom. Can you say amen? If you look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, Paul says it like this. He says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is simply a representative of a kingdom that is in another kingdom. So if you have the ambassador of South Africa living in London, all right, he represents the culture of South Africa within the kingdom of the United Kingdom. And we are ambassadors for Christ. Lift your hands and say, as a child of God, I am an ambassador for Christ. The Passion Translation says it like this. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Now, Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and 11. He says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. It's quite interesting when you look at that one verse because that word preacher in the Greek is the word kerux, K-E-R-U-X. And that word actually means an official representative of a kingdom that is sent by a king to convey the wishes of that king, to convey the laws of the king, to convey the values of the king, to convey the culture of the king, and to convey the expectations of the king. Hallelujah. 
And when you and I are born again, even though we might represent an earthly culture and an earthly kingdom, there is a higher kingdom and a higher culture that overrides that culture. Now, we can still celebrate the diversity, and it's great to be a Zulu and a Kosa or a Maori or a, an Italian or a Spanish, but we need to understand that there is something far greater. We bring that culture into the kingdom culture, and we are now representatives of the king, and we carry out the laws, the values, the culture, the expectation, the wishes of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 33. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The Passion Translation says, so above all. So what? So above all. So what? So above all, constantly, sometimes, every so often, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these important things will be given to you abundantly. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just spend a bit of time this morning laying a bit of a foundation, a biblical foundation. Because when you look at the Word of God, actually, there only exists two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. There is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. When God the Father looks on this earth, even though there is diversity of people, he only sees two kinds of people. When God the Father looks upon the earth, he sees a people as either being in Adam or in Christ. I want you to understand that. Yes, we have the diversities, and yes, we will get to that in just a minute right now. But when God the Father looks at humanity, when he looks at mankind, he sees only two kinds of people. In Adam, in Christ. In Christ, I can still be an Italian. I can still be a Zulu. I can still be a Kosa. I can still be a New Zealander. I can still be whatever. But there is a higher overriding culture that I embrace. And now I embrace the values and the ethics and the expectations of the king of that kingdom. And more often than not, we have a culture that is a counterculture to this world. Can I get an amen? You also need to know that of every man-made kingdom in this world, every kingdom that is man-made, the Bible says one day is going to come to nothing. That's the only kingdom that will remain standing is the kingdom of God. Revelation 11 and 15 says, Then the seventh angel sounded... And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world. There are many kingdoms in this world, all of which are man-made. Whether it's the political kingdom, the media kingdom, the medical kingdom, whatever kingdom it is. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 145, verse 13. He said, your kingdom, talking about God, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. 
Aren't you glad that we serve a kingdom that knows no ending, that is everlasting? Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 4, verse 3 says, How great are his sons, and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, every kingdom, including the kingdom of God, has a culture. And not only do kingdoms have a culture, but they have values. And values represent the very fabric of that culture and that society. And the culture is the characteristics and the knowledge of a particular group of people. And it encompasses things like language. So we know with the Zulus, they speak Izizulu. And the Kaza speak Kaza. And the Vendas speak Venda. And the Italians, parliamo italiano. The Portuguese, non falo portuguese molto bem. But anyways, I said I don't speak Portuguese so good. But they have their language. Hallelujah. Every culture has the language, has the religion, has the cuisine, the special food, has special social habits, economic systems that govern those cultures as well, not to mention the music and the arts. And we had a bit of that today. We can look at specific cultures in general. For example, there's the Western culture that would be defined by the European countries. And then, of course, there's the Eastern culture, and we saw a bit of that here today, amen, representing those people that come from India and all of those areas, all right? And then we could say we have the Latin, Latin culture, and they do the salsa and the mamba and the whatever, whatever. So we have that culture as well, the Latin culture. I've got a bit of Latin in me, by the way. I don't know what I've got in me, but anyways. And then we have the Middle Eastern culture. My mom gave me a whole lot of pictures of my dad's side of the family. And we, 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 we actually are proper-looking Arabs. We, we're actually Arabs. My dad was born in Egypt, and his dad was born in Egypt uh, but his great-grandfather was born in Barcelona, so somehow Spain came in somewhere there. But then I don't know where the Scots came in. The Scots are somewhere up there. I don't know. But anyways, there's all these middle, there's the Middle Eastern culture, amen, the Arabs. And then, of course, there's the African culture. Hallelujah. Praise God. And within the African culture, I think within Nigeria alone, there's probably about 300 different tribes just in Nigeria alone. When you look at the African continent, actually the African culture is divided into two main cultures, those that are of the northern part, and then you have the sub-Saharan part. And the northern part, north of the Sahara, is because they're influenced by the Arabs and by the Turks and by the Moors. And then the sub-Saharan uh, culture, African culture, has its great diversity as well. But these are all the different cultures that exist. Amen? Can you say amen? amen? And a culture is the expression of the unique beliefs and values of a group of people. And when we translate this into the kingdom, I want you to hear me well, we understand why the message of repentance is such a powerful thing because it is the changing of our thinking which creates the transformation process. You see, when we change our thinking, our beliefs begin to change. 
And when our beliefs begin to change, we change what we begin to value as well. And when we change what we begin to value, how many of you know that then our outward actions begin to change? And all of this results in the formation of a unique culture that is based on our King, Jesus Christ, and His values. The kingdom of God, as you know, is a spiritual entity that is mostly manifested through the church. The church is not the kingdom, and the kingdom is not the church. The kingdom is far bigger. The church actually is a subset of the kingdom. But the kingdom is by largely manifested through the church. And the church is simply just a, a group of people, multitudes from diverse cultures, diverse tribes, diverse nationalities, diverse languages that have all been born again, all been washed in the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And now we have a shared belief and values that are revealed by the specific actions that are manifested in our lives. And this culture, I want you to know, is a counterculture. It goes against the culture of the world and presents an alternative. Can you say amen? And as we get to live the culture of the kingdom, as we get to live out the culture of the kingdom, as we get to live out the culture of the kingdom, we become salt and light that attracts those who are in the worldly culture. Can you say amen? Now, every culture has certain elements in it that we can identify, and we can bring that even into the kingdom culture and say that even the kingdom culture has certain elements in it. For example, we can look at language, and we've spoken a bit about this. We know the, the different languages, the Zulus, the Hindus, the Italians. Do you know that even within the Italian language, there are many dialects? I mean, if I go to the south of Italy and they start talking their dialect, I, I, I wouldn't know what they're saying. That's how diverse, even though it is Italian. So within the various cultures, there's diversity of dialects as well. But how many of you know that as a kingdom culture, we have a heavenly language? Yeah. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Come on now. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. We have a heavenly language. As a kingdom culture, even though you might speak Zulu, even though you might speak Afrikaans or English or whatever language it is, we do have a culture language. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Bible says there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. 120 were in that upper room, and the Holy Ghost came and filled them and gave them earthly languages. They went downtown into the city, and they begin to speak these various languages as a sign and a wonder, and that day, 2,000 people or 3,000 people got saved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Then in Acts chapter 8, Philip, who was just an ordinary disciple, a congregant member of the church, goes to Samaria, and he preaches there, signs, wonders, and miracles. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. So much so that Peter and John get to hear the news that the Samaritans had been, had been born again. They come into Samaria. They lay hands on the Samaritans. They receive the Holy Ghost, evidenced by them speaking in tongues. How do we know? Because Simon the sorcerer was busy watching, and when he saw them receive the Holy Ghost, he said, Would you, I'll give you money if you can give me the same power. Can you say praise the Lord? Then in Acts chapter 10, we know that Peter is up on the rooftop and he's in a trance and he sees this massive sheet come down and all kinds of unclean animals. And he hears a voice say, rise, Peter, eat and, eat and kill and eat, you know. And Peter says, not so, Lord, because it is, I, I can't eat what's unclean. And God says, do not call unclean what I have called clean. Three times. And then he is, sends his men or some men come from Cornelius' house, and eventually he ends up in the house of Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, and Peter begins to preach. And while he is preaching, in Acts 10, 44, it says, and while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon Cornelius and his household, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Hallelujah. So as a kingdom culture, we have a heavenly language. Amen. And then if you thought that that wasn't enough, in Acts chapter 19, Peter, uh, 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 Paul is in Ephesus, comes a, across a group of believers, and he says to them, um, Have, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Acts 19 verse 2. And they said, what? We, we, had, we don't even know if there is a Holy we, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. He said, well, what were you baptized into? Well, we just received the baptism of John, which was a baptism of repentance. And so the Bible says in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul, when he had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14 and 18 and says, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. So Paul exercised his heavenly language. When you speak in tongues, you are edifying and building up yourself in your most holy faith. That's what the book of Jude, verse 20 and 21 says. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Look at somebody and tell them, I've got a language. It's a heavenly language that belongs to the kingdom culture. Amen. And then we can look at economic systems in this world that make up the various cultures. If you go to America, you can see the U.S. economy. And then you can look at the Chinese economy. And you can look at the German economy. And every economy is established, obviously, by buying and selling of goods. And then we know that companies are formed and in industries are started and when those companies begin to do well, they, become, they get listed on the stock exchange. And do you know that there are indices that actually will tell you how good a country is performing? 
For example, in the United States, there's such indices as the Dow Jones. You might have heard of the Dow Jones, the S&P 500. that tells you what the top 500 companies are in the country. And you have things like the NASDAQ index as well. If you think about Japan has the Nikkei, the China has the Hang Seng, the UK has the FTSE. As my wife said, they're not playing FTSE, FTSE, but it's the FTSE 100, which is the 100 top companies that are listed. But all of those determine how good the economy is. How many of you know that we as a kingdom have a unique economic system that is not governed by the economy of our world system? Hallelujah. Jesus said it like this in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your, will be put into your bosom. Now, that system is a counter system. The world will never tell you to give. The world will always tell you to keep and save and do whatever, whatever. But we engage this superior economic system of the kingdom of God when we activate our faith. In other words, we put our trust and our hope and our confidence in our God who is our supplier and the source of everything. He is our, yours and my, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is my supplier, my provider. And we use our faith to engage the economic system of the kingdom of God. How do we do that? By giving and receiving, by sowing and reaping. How do we do that? By working hard as well. Can't take that out. Can't take that out. I believe in work. You believe in work as well. Hallelujah. When we activate our faith, there is a, a favor, a limitless favor that comes upon us. That the world looks and they get confused. They don't understand it. Why? Because there is a higher economic system that is governed by the culture of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And then you and I are anointed to prosper. There is an anointing upon your life that even when everybody else is shutting down and leaving this country, you are prospering. You are prospering. You are prospering. Even when all the systems of this world are being shaken, banks are being shaken, stock exchange are being shaken, hallelujah, but because we have our faith and our hope in our God and we have a culture of the kingdom, hallelujah, that overrides this kingdom, overrides this culture, we prosper. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Hallelujah. We're not afraid of the economies of this world. We're not afraid of what the rand is doing, the gold is doing, the dollar is doing, the oil is doing. We're not afraid of who is shutting down. No, come on, wherever you are. How many of you remember? The people of Israel were in Egypt and all was in darkness, all was in famine, all was in pestilence, but not in Goshen. They thrived and they prospered and they flourished. So we have a higher economic system. That is the culture of the kingdom of God. Can you say praise the Lord? Yeah. Amen. Then we can look at our clothing. Amen. Look at my clothing this morning. Look at your clothing this morning. Look at my wife's clothing. She's urban Zulu. I'm traditional Zulu. She wants to be urban Zulu. 
But I mean, if you look at all over the world, the Germans have a certain attire. The Mexicans, the Indian folk have a certain attire. But what is our clothing as the kingdom of God culture? We are clothed with the robes of righteousness this morning. We are clothed with the robes of righteousness. And we have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that will try to come upon you. We have the garment of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Not only that, but in Ephesians chapter 6, tells us that we have the armor on as well. We have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. We've got the belt of truth around our loins. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. We've got the shield of faith in the one hand with which we may quench the fiery missiles of the devil. And then we've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hallelujah. That is the clothing attire that goes with the culture of the kingdom. Can you say praise the Lord? And then we can talk about the food. Oh, yeah, food. We love food. As believers, if that's one thing that we know how to do, we know how to eat. And we can look at all the different meals. And if you think about the Italians, what comes to mind? Pasta and pizza. And when the Zulus, what do the Zulus love? All right, whatever it is, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you. And the Indian folk, oh boy, they can make a nice brioni, especially there in Phoenix. Oh man, curries. I tell you what, man, some, some phenomenal food. The British, ah, not so good, bangers and mash. If you're British, I'm sorry. Japanese make some good meals as well. All right. And then the French, eee, snails, escargot, and frog's legs. I don't know if I'll be eating frog legs. All these different meals. What is our meal? Our meal is the bread and the wine, the body of Christ. We have communion. Hallelujah. And every time we have communion, we are actually engaging in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the meal of the kingdom of God culture. Hallelujah. And every time we have communion, we have it all together. So we're saying to the campus there in Galway, you're a part of us. And then Phoenix, you're a part of us. And everybody watching by way of live stream, you are part of us. When we have the Lord's Supper, we are actually coming together as covenant partners and remembering that we are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. There's nothing more powerful than when we have all of these meals. Amen. And then we can look at some customs. And I tell you what, there are some really weird customs when you look at the various cultures of this world. Well, if I look at the Italians, what is our custom? We love to eat a lot, and we're all the time, big families. We're all the, I know the Indian folks are like that as well. Just families, and my uncle, and my second cousin, and my auntie, and my, and everybody is related some way or the other, my goodness. When you think about the French, what comes to mind when you think about the French? When you greet them, I think it's like four kisses you got to give them. And then if there's a female, you got to give more kisses. If it's a man, I, they, and, and if, you, if, if, if there's about 20 people, you got to, you got to, you got to, four times for every, every single person. The French, I don't know, maybe that's why they call it French kissing, whatever. Anyways. 
I step right, I set myself up for that one. All right, praise God. Anyways, if you're married, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you're not, it's censored. What about the Greeks? I'm told, I don't know how true this is, but the Greeks love to spit on the bride at weddings. So that's a custom that they do, all right? But now I believe they don't spit physically. They go, and they pretend like they're spitting. But it's a custom that they do. And then I looked up the Russians. My goodness, do you know that the Russians on September the 12th is a national holiday? What's today's date? Okay, so we've missed it, all right? But September the 12th is a holiday because basically more, the, more, the birth rate is going down and men don't live for too long. So the government has officially given September the 12th, we want you to go home, draw the curtains, and get on with it. I kid you not. September the 12th because they want, the, they want the population to increase. And they've given the Russians a public holiday just so that they can go and procreate. That's a custom from Russia. That's, that's a custom from Russia. French have got theirs, the Russians have got theirs. All right, and then in Denmark, the Denmark have got a crazy thing as well. They love to hang out in cemeteries. I don't know, that's just a custom, they, and they make them super nice, and all the beautiful flowers and the gardens, and they love to hang out there. Kind of would be spooky for us, but not for the Danes, all right? And then the Japanese, did you know that when they eat their noodles, you know, as the Italians, we, we twirl it on the fork, but not the Japanese, they put it in. <laughs> they love to slurp when they have their noodles. And when they slurp, it is a sign that they are enjoying that food, all right? And so we can look at all of these different customs, but how many of you know, as believers, we also have customs that pertain to our culture, kingdom culture? Hallelujah. Amen. So we get saved, and then we have water baptism, where we try and see how long you can stay under the water for. We just try and bring heaven closer to earth. <laughs> just kidding. We have baby dedication where we dedicate our children, our, our babies. And then we do have, uh, you know, a biblical covenant that is marriage between a male and a female. That's something that we do as the kingdom culture. We pray for the sick and they get healed. We cast out devils, hallelujah. We pray and we fast. We know how to worship our God. We prophesy. We can vocalize our faith and begin to decree and declare. We know how to sing in the Spirit. Come on. We have the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We don't need Johnny Walker or any other walker, but we have the wine of the Spirit, the new wine. Hallelujah. We have the power to speak into atmospheres and change spiritual climates over our homes, over our neighborhoods, over our city, and over our nations. Can you say amen? I want to end up with this scripture. Paul writes to the church in Galatians, says Galatians 3.26, for you are all, how many? You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ 
have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. Say, I'm an heir of God, a joint heir of Christ Jesus. I've been born again. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. I carry the culture of the kingdom. I am a representative. I am an ambassador. As I live out the culture in the power of the Spirit, I become salt and light to a dying world. God, I thank you today that you would use me as a counterculture to reveal the love of Jesus, the goodness of God, the power of the Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord.